The Joe Pomp Show is brought to you by U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Happy Wednesday. I hope everyone was able to enjoy a little bit longer of a weekend with MLK Day on Monday. Playoff football was on virtually all weekend because of the delays and whatnot, and it was a great weekend in the world of sports. But today I want to talk about two things specifically. Number one, we're going to break down the Peacock number. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, but the game happened this past weekend, and now some of the numbers are out. So I'll walk you guys through Peacock's early numbers when it comes to their exclusive playoff game between the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. And then secondly, I'm going to run you guys through some breakdowns financially of Major League Baseball season last year. Now, we all know that they made a slew of changes, including the pitch clock and things that encourage a little bit more offense. But financially speaking, the league performed really well. I have some exclusive numbers that I'll share with you guys there. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. All right, so let's start with the exclusive NFL playoff game on Peacock. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, so I don't want to rehash everything that we already discussed, but you guys know what happened here. I mean, everyone was pissed off. NFL fans, media personalities, players, personnel, everyone seemed to be upset that the NFL was putting an exclusive playoff game behind a paywall like Peacock, another streaming service that you have to buy, right? People were saying, on my timeline at least, that they were either going to stream the games, they were going to go watch it at a bar, or they just simply weren't going to watch it at all. I saw plenty of people saying that as well. But the numbers are in, at least the early numbers are in, and that wasn't the case. I don't know if people were lying or they just ended up giving in or whatever it was. But during halftime of the game on Sunday night, Mike Tirico announced that Peacock had 23 million people stream the game. 23 million people. Now, to give you guys a little bit of context on just how impressive that number actually is, the previous streaming record for the NFL, a game that was exclusively placed on streaming, was held by Amazon earlier this year for a regular season game. And that was 15 million, right? So the previous record for streaming exclusively was 15 million set by Amazon earlier this year. Peacock did 23 million. I told you guys the over-under was somewhere between like 15 to 18 to maybe 20 million. They hit the over by a mile. I mean, 23 million is an extremely impressive number. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of financial engineering going on here with the numbers. That's how these streaming companies work, right? And the 23 million number is a little bit misleading. And it's misleading because people in Kansas City, Miami, local markets, got the game for free on television, right? They could watch it on TV. Those markets were carved out from the streaming-only exclusive package. Now, with that said, there was really only like a million or two million people that watched it in those markets on regular television. There was a couple million, right? And if you subtract that from the 23 million number, even if you want to subtract the NFL Plus people or wherever else, the 23 million number, even if it's 20 million, is still extremely impressive, and it's something that Peacock is going to be really happy about. Now, not only was the viewership number itself impressive, but there were some leading indicators of this. When I woke up on Sunday morning, I saw that Peacock was the number one overall app in the App Store. Number one overall. They weren't even within the top 15 or 20 before that. Furthermore, they had their Google search volume. When you go on Google Trends, if you typed in Peacock, their search volume on Google was two times higher than at any point in the company's history beforehand. I mean, we're talking about the past three years since their launch. The company had never been higher. In fact, it was two times higher than ever before. Now, obviously, some of this was negative publicity. People saying that they didn't want to watch Peacock, people talking about how they need to unsubscribe from Peacock, whatever it is. 
but the search volume was extremely high for Peacock. Their app was obviously being downloaded more than any other point in history. And a lot of people were subscribing to the service. In fact, Peacock came out the next day and said that 16 million people were concurrently using their app. 16 million people concurrently using their app during the game. Now, obviously, some of those people weren't watching the football game. They might have been watching something else on the service. But most of them were probably watching the football game. And 16 million, irregardless of what they're actually watching, using the app at one time is extremely impressive when you consider that I think they have 30 million subscribers, right? So that's a huge number, and it speaks to the value that an NFL game specifically, an event-driven format, is able to drive for a streaming service like Peacock. And another important thing to keep in mind here is people have been likening this to Amazon. Amazon, in my mind, is in a world of its own. You can't even compare Peacock to Amazon. I mean, Amazon has so many users for Amazon Prime, not only because they have exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football in their second year. So everyone who wants to watch Thursday Night Football has already downloaded the package, knows how to use it, and uses it frequently. But more importantly, so many people have Amazon Prime because of their shipping capabilities, right? Because you're going to be ordering things off of Amazon itself and getting them delivered to your house or your business or whatever it is. So it's in a completely different business model than Peacock is. Peacock, on the other hand, they have some sports rights, they have some original content, they have other rights and stuff like that, but Peacock is nowhere even close to the same realm as it comes to Amazon. So this is a completely different business. Now, the other thing that I thought Peacock did a really good job of was advertising during the game. Now, we've talked about it, you've probably heard elsewhere, that they didn't have fourth quarter commercials. Awesome, cool, a little bit unique. I saw some people complaining online that they shouldn't have commercials at all because you're behind a paywall. I mean, that seems a little bit ridiculous. I get the overall you know, thought process that if you're paying to watch an event, then you shouldn't have commercials like pay-per-view. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're paying for YouTube TV, you're paying for Sunday Ticket, you're paying for Amazon. All these other things have commercials. You're not necessarily doing it just because it's pay-per-view. I mean, Peacock has a bunch of other things that you're paying for too. It's a subscription service. And to be honest, it's relatively cheap compared to all the other ones. Now, I would argue that just because it's cheap isn't the reason to go buy to watch this football game. It's also because you're going to set a standard, right? Now that 23 million has been hit for Peacock, they're going to do more of this. They're absolutely going to do more of this. And again, the thing that Peacock did really well was they were advertising other things during the game, advertising other content. Many of you saw, I saw online, that Oppenheimer was advertised during the game, how it's coming to Peacock, how they have Big Ten basketball rights, how they have rights to the PGA Tour, how they have rights to WWE, how they have rights to the Premier League, right? They showed you all of their ancillary benefits so that you do not cancel. Now, that's not to say that people didn't cancel. I bet a ton of people canceled. I would love to see the numbers, and we will see the numbers in the next few months when Peacock reports some of their numbers. But the more interesting part to me is what this does for the future. Now, one thing that I've been a weary to mention is how this impacts games in the future. What games specifically might be behind the paywall? And what I'll say about that is that the biggest games, the Super Bowl, the AFC, NFC Championship, I do not think those are going to be placed behind a paywall anytime soon. I think those are going to be free to air. I think everyone's going to be able to watch them. And most importantly, most of those rights have already been figured out over the next decade because the media rights are locked in from companies like Fox, CBS, ESPN, etc. So I don't think those games are going behind. But you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that all the other streaming services, we're talking about Amazon. Amazon is already paying a billion dollars for NFL rights. We're talking about Paramount, right? Paramount Plus. We're talking about other companies like ESPN+. Plus. These companies are already spending, their parent companies are already spending billions of dollars a year on rights to the NFL. You're telling me that they don't see this number, 23 million for a game, albeit, right? This was the best game of the weekend. It had the best storyline, 
with Mahomes, with Travis Kelsey, with Taylor Swift, with Tua, with the Dolphins, with their inability to play in cold weather, with the weather itself, right? All the videos were coming out of the bottles freezing and everything else. It was going to be below freezing, one of the coldest games in NFL history. The storyline lined up perfectly for Peacock. It was absolutely amazing, everything they could have dreamed of. But even without that, a streaming exclusive game getting 20 to 23 million viewers is absolutely insane. And every other streaming service that you can imagine that has affiliation to the NFL is going to want one next. So look, we may see one as early as next year. This is an event-driven business. It's the same reason why these streaming companies are willing to pay more than $100 million for a game on Black Friday. It's the same reason why we'll probably see one on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or the playoffs because it's an event-driven business versus an inventory business like some of the other professional sports leagues that you guys know. The NFL is dominating the media landscape today, and it's only getting stronger. It feels like all of the dollars that are in sports business are moving away from smaller sports like baseball, like basketball, like hockey, like soccer, and they're just moving towards football, right? The way I liken this, right, is if you're a brand and you're doing a partnership, you could go out and you could go do a bunch of smaller deals with a bunch of smaller creators, right? Or you could go out and you could sign the biggest creator. And in most instances, that big creator is actually going to get you more value than all the other small ones lined up. And it's going to be easier to facilitate because you're doing one deal versus a million deals. And that's exactly what I think we're seeing in the sports media landscape. Increasingly, the biggest companies, ESPN, CBS, Fox, et cetera, they're all positioning their money and pushing it in a pile towards football, both the NFL, but also college football. And they're doing that because they know that it demands attention more than anything else. I mean, you could literally play an NFL game. They're doing it at 9 a.m. You could do it at 1, you could do it at 4, you could do it at 8.30. Hell, you may even be able to do it at midnight. We literally saw this with Colorado earlier this year. It was one of the highest rated college football games of the year. And it, it kicked off at like 11 p.m. or midnight, whatever it was, on the East Coast. This is something that is exclusively relevant to football. And it's one of the things that I think media companies are going to continue to push the boundaries on. They're going to continue to push money towards the rights of the NFL and college football. And more importantly, as the cable bundle continues to decline and streaming services become more important in the overall package of media rights for these leagues, we're going to see more exclusive games. That counts for Peacock, it counts for Amazon, it counts for Paramount Plus. I'm sure we're going to see a game, ESPN Plus, and more. This isn't going away. And everyone that said they weren't going to watch it, whether they were accurate in that statement or whether they lied, the numbers indicate that many people, enough people watched it, and it's enough reason for all these other streaming companies to say, hey, that was a pretty good move by Peacock. They just acquired a boatload of customers. They got talked about online. It's going to end up being a profitable endeavor for them, whether it's today or whether it's a year from now, once we find out the lifetime value of those consumers. We should go do the exact same thing. Hey, executives at ESPN. Hey, executives at Paramount. Hey, executives at Amazon. Let's go get ourselves one of these games. I don't care if it costs $100 million. Heck, we may even pay $150, $200 million, depending on the game. It's going to be worth it. I think we're going to see more of that in the future. That doesn't mean it's good for the consumer. It doesn't mean that I like it. People are going to continue to complain. They're going to stream the games. They're going to watch with friends. They're going to go to bars. They're going to do all this stuff. But the NFL knows that they have a stranglehold on the U.S. entertainment industry today, and they are going to exploit that as much as they can. All right, before we get into our next topic, which is going to be a breakdown on Major League Baseball's financials from last year, let's quickly hear from today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Winter can be a drag. Thankfully, we have sports to get us through the early part of the year. If you ask me, 
Nothing goes together quite like food and sports, especially this time of year. I mean, we got football on, college and pro hoops, hockey. So let's just say I may be plopped down on my couch until the temperature hits the 80s again. And the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card provides the perfect way to earn rewards. Whether you're watching your team with other super fans at a local eatery or in the comfort of your own living room. I know me personally, there's nothing better than ordering wings, sitting on my own couch, and watching sports. You can earn four times points when you dine out or have food delivered. I mean, those wings do sound pretty damn good. Plus, earn two times points at grocery stores. Maybe you want to cook the wings yourself. And if you're willing to brave the elements, even getting to the game can be rewarding, as you'll earn two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations. So go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Score big with the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Car. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply and live every day your way. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is US Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. Our next sponsor is one that I'm super excited about because it's a nutritional supplement that I've been using for the last couple of years. It's called AG1. Now, I first gave AG1 a try because I was simply tired of taking so many supplements every day and I wanted a single solution that supported my entire body. And it's been absolutely amazing over the last several years. Since drinking AG1 daily, I felt more energized, I feel stronger, I feel more nourished, and all the above. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also become simple. It's just one scoop. I mix it in water once a day, every day. It takes like literally two minutes. So if you want to take ownership of your health this year, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash pomp show. That's drinkag1.com slash pomp show. Make sure to check it out. All right, next up, we're going to be talking about baseball. Now, it is no secret, you guys all know, Major League Baseball is trying to reinvent itself right now. I mean, the sport has lost millions of fans over the last several decades. League-wide attendance hit a 25-year low in 2022. And after being known, literally known, as America's favorite pastime for a century, baseball now ranks somewhere as either the second or third most popular sport, depending on what study you want to look at. Now, that's exactly why Commissioner Rob Manfred and the league's 30 owners implemented several changes last year. The most obvious one, which all of you have heard about about this point, is the pitch clock. But there were also several others, too, like larger bases, limited pickoffs, and eliminating defensive shifts. The overall idea was pretty simple. Major League Baseball games have gotten ridiculously long. The average MLB game now takes 40 minutes longer than an NBA or an NHL game. And a multi-decade shift in consumer consumption habits warrants more action over a shorter period of time. That's just how the attention economy is trending today. Now, the older generation of fans were upset with these rule changes. That's not to be a surprise. Why would you change something that has worked for more than 100 years? And who cares about new fans anyway? Still, Major League Baseball stuck to its guns, and the results, the early results albeit, were fantastic. For example, in 2023, the average MLB regular season game took 2 hours and 39 minutes. 
That means games last year were 24 minutes shorter than they were the previous year. In 2022, games took just over three hours, and last year they took just under two hours and 40 minutes. And it also represents the fastest time of play for Major League Baseball in nearly 40 years. The last time we hit two hours and 40 minute average game time in MLB was 1985. And to give you just a little bit more context on this, in 2021, Major League Baseball had 390 games that lasted more than three and a half hours. 390 games. Just two years later, last year, they had just nine games, right? So that's obviously tremendous. The games have become a lot shorter, and we've seen that in the numbers. But maybe just as important, there was also more offense last year. I told you guys about some of the other rule changes they did. They put in larger bases to make people attempt more stealing. They did limited pickoffs to do the same thing. They eliminated defensive shifts to raise batting average and so forth. And these numbers and these rule changes were very effective. The league-wide average for runs per game increased from 8.6 in 2022 to 9.2 last year. So people were scoring more runs. Stolen bases also increased from one stolen base per game to 1.4 stolen bases per game. Walk percentages increased from 7.6% to 9% last year. And strikeouts decreased from 27% to 23%. Now, it obviously wasn't perfect. Several media members and players complained about changes throughout the year, mostly regarding the pitch clock. But year one was always going to take some time, in my opinion, and the results speak for themselves, at least financially. An industry source told me that Major League Baseball generated a record $11.6 billion in revenue last season. That includes a record $3.8 billion in ticket revenue. That's a 15% increase from 2022, as well as record figures in sponsorship, media, and merchandise sales. So we're talking about records all over the board. Record revenue, record tickets, record sponsorships, record media, record merchandise sales. Now, the most important part of this, to me at least, is the ticket data, and I'll explain. So Major League Baseball last year had more than 70 million fans attend MLB games. That was a roughly 10% increase from the year prior, and it was the first time that Major League Baseball's attendance broke 70 million fans since 2017. And the same industry source told me that the median age of MLB ticket purchasers has dropped six years since 2019, going from an average purchase age of 51 to 45. So not only are they selling more tickets, but the fans that are buying them are younger. Now, getting younger is always good. I mean, there's a reason why every sports league, from the NFL to Formula One, is trying to find younger fans. But having these fans consistently attend more games is even more critical for Major League Baseball. The reason for that is simple. Gate receipts typically account for more than 30% of Major League Baseball's total revenue. And when you add in concessions and parking, two other activities that are relative to someone attending a game, that number jumps to over 40% of total revenue, which is bigger as a category than national revenue for Major League Baseball. Now, the easiest way to think about this is that Major League Baseball teams play 162 games. Their stadiums hold a lot of people. So on a per-event basis, the people attending their games are more important than, say, the NFL, where every team plays just 17 games, and the national media rights are more important than ticket sales, than concessions, and parking. So Major League Baseball, the fact that people are attending more games and younger fans are attending is extremely important, and it's extremely impressive. And in my mind, it speaks to the fact that they changed up some of the rules. So yes, don't get me wrong. There are still some problems with Major League Baseball. These teams rely more on regional sports networks than other leagues. And Diamond Sports Group, 
for example, going bankrupt has already cost teams tens of millions of dollars in future earnings. This year's World Series was the least watched World Series on record, and it feels like baseball has increasingly become a regional sport. But Major League Baseball also has some momentum right now. The 2023 rule change, despite being heavily criticized, ended up being the right move. Japanese two-way star Shohei Otani is one of the most famous athletes in all of sports, and his signing with the Dodgers will probably make them the only team in 2024 to surpass 4 million fans in home attendance. And when you add in the fact that other sports, like football, are losing kids at the youth level, it's easy to see why baseball still has a bright future despite some of the problems over the last few years. Major League Baseball is making more money than ever before. Now, they just need to build on that momentum. That's all for today, though, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode breaking down the Peacock numbers and Major League Baseball's financials. If you did, please do me a favor and make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening to this episode. Otherwise, I hope everyone has a great day, and we'll talk later this week. 